and it allows for the full expression of the endocannabinoid system. Now, as nice. we get older, or if we're under an inordinate amount of stress, now, you know, anandamide is called the bliss endocannabinoid because it comes from the Sanskrit word ananda, which means bliss. So mm -hmm. it's the bliss endocannabinoid. That's how you're supposed to feel. So as we get older, we produce less endocannabinoids. So for this reason, we need cannabinoids from the outside or exogenous from outside mm -hmm. in to work on these receptors. Got a lot of love. Yeah, that's for sure. Got music and movies. Welcome to the Wendy Love Ed Show, brought to you by Kara's Healthcare and the Relevant app. We don't dispense medical advice, and all your health choices are your own. Yes, and the opinions expressed on the show are not necessarily those of our producer, A. Edge Productions. This is Season 6, Episode 7, Am I Depressed and What Can I Do About It? I'm Wendy Love Edge, and this is my co-host, Brandon Lee. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing very good. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm staying even. I'm not depressed. Good. Um, but I think we're all, you know, as you talk about this, I think everyone has gone through what, what you consider depression. And man, the last mm -hmm. few years might just be everyone collectively. Right. Know? It's been a tough couple of years. And, you know, depression is really prevalent anyway. And then add to it everything, all the changes everybody's had to go through and the the suffering and the illness and the loss, it's its not easy. Yeah. And I want to let everyone know from the bat, you're not alone. You know, I think mm -hmm. a lot of people, when you get in depression, it kind of gets dark and uh, a lot of focus on yourself and, and kind of uh, wondering what's going on. But understand that everyone, I, I say everyone that lives a long life goes through things like this. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I'm pretty excited to see some ways that we can really help people out uh, and help ourselves out with the, these ways of mm -hmm. tools to help with depression. Yes, absolutely. Um, later in the show, um, I talked with uh, Dr. Rosado about, you know, the, the prevalence of it and, and what it what it is and, and uh, uh, medications and, of course, cannabis. But I, I really wanted to have a discussion with you about uh, self-help tools, things that you can do uh, for yourself, uh, things that, that I do for myself too. Um, and, uh, you know, really give people news they can use, uh, for, for this, this illness. Um, I, yeah, I agree. And there's so many things that, um, that you can utilize, but sometimes when you're to say, when you're in the darkness, 
uh, of depressions, it's some some of these things. It's really hard to even start. So mm-hmm. that is the first thing to do is taking those first steps and picking yourself up, as we talk about all the time, and mm-hmm. um, and dusting yourself off and and taking those steps to make yourself feel better. Right, absolutely. And uh, so I looked up. I found a blog, Intrepid Mental Health blog, and they had nine. Um, self-help solutions. So I thought maybe we could go through some of those. I yeah. added I added another one to it, which you can probably guess what it is. But, <laughs> I'm going to uh, guess, Wendy. I'm going to guess. <laughs> but the first thing, um, the first couple of things are things we talk about all the time, you know, getting some exercise, getting adequate sleep, um, you know, avoiding things that can cause depression like, like alcohol. Yeah. yeah. Alcohol is literally called a depressant. Mm-hmm. for a reason it, it really does uh it, it hits your mood in a different way and um i think honestly the older that i get the more it really affects my body mm-hmm. so you know, i agree my last two days instead of a few mm-hmm. hours right yeah <laughs> i kind routine. of somewhere i think in my mid-40s i was kind of like you know this isn't really fun anymore for me <laughs> like you know and and i just didn't like the way it made me feel so i i don't really partake very often yeah i might occasionally but it is a depressant so it's something to think about um, yes. one of the things on the list was to challenge negative thoughts and uh, I think this is really important because when, you, when you're feeling a little low or things aren't going so well, you can hear lots of negative thoughts in your head. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yes, oh, yeah. that little voice that's not so pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> um, but really take a moment and instead of accepting it, challenge it and, and turn it around. You know, have you ever tried that? I definitely have. I mean, um, having a, you know, days where you don't want to get out of bed or days where you kind of feel um, really down or some things are happening in your life. You just don't want to even get up out of bed or open your eyes. Right. Um, so yeah, I think having some positive thoughts of, okay, let's do this. Even, even talking to yourself just to make it to that next moment, um, mm-hmm. is really big. And so, yeah, I, I do think that, uh, having that positive thought, at least not just super happy, right. talk puking puppies and rainbows, right. but, right. but more of just, uh, you know, being positive and some affirmations for yourself to get through the, through the thing. Right. Yeah. And you know, like, like if your negative thought is, you know, I, I never, I never do well at work, you know, really challenge that and remind yourself the times that you did, you did do a, a good job or you did well. Right. You know, right. And, um, and challenge yourself always, you know, if, mm-hmm. uh, if, if that job is not fulfilling in a certain way for a certain amount of time, maybe it's something that is holding you back from doing something you really want to do. You know, sometimes the things, mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes the things in our lives um, make us depressed and we just keep on doing them. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it right. comes to alcohol as well. You know, people think, oh, I'm so depressed, but then you keep drinking. Right. And, or more depressed or your job is a dead end or it doesn't feel right. And um, sometimes we get in these things ourselves and kind of t- convince ourselves that we got to keep doing them. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the things on the list, Brandon, change your routine. You <laughs> yes. know, if, if you're, you kind of can get in that rut and you keep doing things and you're not happy, but you just keep doing the same routine and just one little shift can change everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it can be anything from you, the way you're waking up in the morning, uh, doing a little bit of yoga, setting some time out for yourself and your body. Mm-hmm. Um, making time for friends. I know that sounds weird, but people put their nose to the grindstone and they don't think about 
hanging out with your friends, like having some yes. good times with the people you love um, right. and carving that time out for people and for moments. Absolutely. And, and in that, one of the things on the list is humor. Um, yeah. And we've talked about that before, you know, it is really important to have humor in your life. And maybe if you're not making time for friends and people who love you, you're not, uh, you're not enjoying a few laughs either, you know, right. And you got to, I think you need to monitor that, you know, how much you are enjoying your times and, and when you do enjoy uh, things. So yeah, definitely humor is everything. We talked about this in the past episodes that yeah. humor can literally heal you sometimes, yes. you know, mentally uh, put you in a better state. Yes, for sure. Um, another thing on the list is drinking water. Um, and, you know, when you drink enough water, it really clears the toxins out of your body. And that's so important. It can affect your thinking if you're dehydrated at all. So it's I simple agree. things like that. Add a little a few more cups of water during the day and you Show might just feel a little better I mean, just drink as much as you can my <laughs> my sister drinks just dr pepper you know and oh, i'm no. like come on drink some water yes um you got to get used to that your body is mostly that and uh giving your body what it is and what it craves mm -hmm. which is water a lot of the time right uh, very very helpful wake up in the morning and do that you know that's part of those mm -hmm. new routines you may be able to add you know for sure. It, it really, dehydration causes all kinds of cognitive problems. We see it in the elderly frequently, um, We see, but, but it can affect anyone really. So it's a really easy thing that you can add. Another thing on the list was actually creating a routine. So some people have, you know, need to shift their routine and some people are just all over the place and don't have one. And yes. that can make, that can kind of bring you down because you're, you're, you don't know what you should be doing or, you know, it right. just doesn't feel good. Yeah. You feel out of place and, um, and scheduling. Oh my God. Wendy, scheduling is everything for me. Mm -hmm. Um, since I do have a lot on my plate when I do all these things that I do, having that schedule and having that routine is everything for me. So if I get out of whack, if I do have one of those party nights or things uh -huh. like that, it can just throw the whole week for a loop. And um, so, yeah, a routine was, I mean, a really a, a big starting block for having success in what you're doing is just making sure that you're scheduled and having fun things to do, too. Not everything on your schedule has to be a, a task or a right. bad thing. So uh -huh. plan those things for good times as well, as well as your, you know, things that you have to do. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think we can get uh, stuck in the, you know, work, 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 or family obligations and, and not have it. So putting it in your schedule could make it more likely that you'll, that you'll take that time. Yeah, schedule that like you would a date with someone or anything else. Schedule a date with yourself uh, nice. for that self-care. I think that's so important, you know, for self-care and, um, and just for your mental mental health altogether. Right, for sure. Um, so I added, of course, to the list plant medicine, um, but not just cannabis, you know, other plant medicine too. I, you know, I actually keep a little bottle of lemon essential oil. And if I'm feeling a little down, I put it in my hands and... Oh, just the smell. Yeah, it lifts you right up. Citrus huh. is so great for that. I love the smell of citrus too. Like if I'm cutting a lemon or anything like that. And I guess that kind of adds, I use teas, you know, mm -hmm. uh, even caffeine-free teas. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds so hippy-dippy that I'm like, oh, I'm just trying <laughs> teas. But it's, it is something, it's warm. 
it's um, uplifting. And if you have some that have a little bit of caffeine in them, that's mm -hmm. amazing too. It's not so harsh, as harsh as uh, coffee can be. And um, right. yeah, and it's another herb that can, you know, they can add different things like that that can uh, uplift your spirits, you know? For sure. Um, yeah. And of course, you know, psychedelics, there's lots of research now with uh, microdosing mushrooms and that kind yes. of thing. Great yeah. success. Um, and cannabis itself, for me, it's very uplifting. I try to choose strains that are, that are more uh, uplifting and it definitely helps. Um, yes. And I, and I uh, also encourage you, if you are, and we've talked about this in the past episodes, if um, you're using it as a crutch to, you know, take away the bad times, that can be, that can be rough on you. But to enhance your good moods, mm -hmm. um, to know that, like, when you, Wendy, when, I just love it because you have that energy where, you know, if you smoke, you're having a good time and you're, you know, you're, you're feeling better about things. If that's mm -hmm. the way, it, if that helps you and enhances your mood, my gosh, please do it. And, um, you know, make sure you're safe doing it. And, you know, uh, that's, it's, it's such a great uplifting thing to be able to have a natural remedy. Right. And I just love b being able to figure out what I need and making those choices, you know, in the, in, uh, other years, you know, when I would use pharmaceuticals for that, there's all the side effects and I'm not really in charge of my own health. So that's yeah. another thing that I really love about it. That um, is but, another thing. Those medications, they, they have other health side effects and things like that. And we all know that. Um, mm -hmm. Wendy and I also know that some of those medications are needed uh, right. to talk to your doctor about all these things. But yeah, that can also be a very a uh, very particular thing that can get you uh, depressed in the first place is these medications, things like that, make you feel sick, your body feels sick. Right, yeah, for sure. And uh, Dr. Rosado goes into that. In fact, coming up next is my interview with Dr. Joseph Rosado. With over four decades of experience as a healthcare professional, Dr. Joseph Rosado, MD, is also one of the world's most respected authorities on cannabis as a plant-based medicine. Welcome to the show, Dr. Rosado. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure being here. Oh, it's great to see you. So, um, so today's show is about depression, and I was kind of looking around for some statistics because I know it's fairly prevalent out there uh, in here in the United States, probably in the world, actually. Um, and I found this, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, in 2017, 7.1% of the population aged 18 and older was suffering from major depression. And also, it's highest in those 18 to 29 years old at 21%, followed by ages 45 to 64. And it seems that women suffer more from depression than men. And so when we use that word depression, we're not just talking about sad feelings. What exactly is depression? Well, there's different types of depression and it's defined based on symptomatology, but also length of time with which you've been dealing with. And so, uh, for example, um, my stepfather passed away in March of last year. Oh, I'm sorry. And Gosh. my mom just turned 82 a couple of weekends ago. Mm -hmm. And she is just now experiencing 
the the sense of loneliness and grief because initially when he passed away she had so much support from family friends mm -hmm. and people coming around and visiting that she really didn't notice much but now as time has gone you know on and she's gone through the holiday season by herself now the grief and, and depression is really affecting her and you know the depression caused by grief they say that it lasts three to six months but you know they've been married since 1980 right. and, they've known, and they've known each other since 1974 73 74 so to say that you know, your spouse of 40 years just dies mm -hmm. and you're only going to be quote unquote depressed for three to six months is really unrealistic. So, mm -hmm. so you have to take every case, you know, everything on a case by case basis and, and determine, you know, whether it's pathological and it's affecting their activities of daily living if they're not you know, eating, if they're not bathing, if not they're not socializing, if they're not going out, which that's not the case for my mom, for example. You know, when I go there, yes, she's depressed, she's sad, and when you know when I leave, you know, I, I see her demeanor change, but it's not that you know she's not bathing, she's not taking care of herself. The house, you know, it hasn't become a um, a buried alive, you know, hoarder type situation. Right. You know, but so it, it depends on the situation and the circumstances. So <clears throat> in that case, you know, when should people seek help? Uh, when when does it get to a point where this is depression? It's a it's a disease and you really need to, to you know, find some help. When it gets to the point where they are no longer able to participate in life as we know it, you know, okay. they 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 do not get out of bed or they do not take, you know, the, their, the clothes that they sleep with off or uh, do not leave the house or are in a constant state of funk or, or, or just, you know, uh, inability to engage in any activity. Uh, I've heard stories of individuals that for weeks and months, all they did was, you know, lay in bed, and watch TV. Sometimes they don't even watch TV. They're going through their cell phone. Sometimes not even that. They're just sitting there or laying there in a state of, you know, almost incoherent because mm -hmm. they're just so overwhelmed with the level of depression and the thought processes that are controlling and, and dominating them. Right. So, um, you know, in, in the U.S., you know, frequently physicians that, you know, go right to use of antidepressants, right? So <laughs> let's talk a little bit about that and whether that's really a you know, treatment that is, is the best course of action and, and how do they work too? I know they're all different, so that's a big question. <laughs> but the, the most commonly used antidepressants are the SSRIs. Uh, these are the uh, serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Uh, they have found that when serotonin levels are low, that people tend to experience uh, high levels of depression. And so the purpose of these medications is for the body to not uh, utilize or, or allow for levels of serotonin to be a little higher mm -hmm. and keep them from dropping. And by keeping them from dropping, 
it will ward off or fight off depression. The challenge with a lot of these medications, it, these, this specific class of medication or the SSRIs is that they usually take about two weeks before you actually see an effect. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of trial and error. Uh, you start with one medication, tell the patient to come back in two to four weeks. You have them keep a log in a, in a journal to see how they're doing. When they come back after two to four weeks, if they come back, mm -hmm. and now you, you go into, so how are you doing? The most common side effect of antidepressants is depression, followed by suicidal ideation, followed mm -hmm. by decreased libido or decreased sexual drive. Some antidepressants, for example, Paxil, causes anorgasmia in women and erectile dysfunction in men. Now, if you're depressed yeah. and, and the one thing that you have going for you is your you know, somewhat of a healthy sexual uh, appetite or some type of a sexual relationship with your significant other, now all of a sudden you're depressed and, and this medication is further worsening your or taking away the one little bit of, ex, of enjoyment that you have in life, which is mm -hmm. your sexual relationship with your significant other. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at a greater sense of, you know, depression. Uh, some people talk about becoming apathetic, where they have zero emotion. They, when they're on these antidepressants, it just mm -hmm. makes flat and stoic and, and they're unable to engage in any type of um, emotion for lack of a better you know description right. um, the other types or class are the snris which are serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors these work on norepinephrine which are produced which is a is a hormone that's produced in the adrenal glands, two small glands that sit just above the kidneys, hence mm -hmm. suprarenal or adrenal, renal being uh, referring to kidney. So it's in the area of the kidneys. That produces epinephrine, norepinephrine. And so this medication is a norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor in conjunction with a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Uh, examples of that are. Uh, Effexor, I'm using the common names because people tend to know those better. So Effexor, um, Cymbalta, Pristique are examples of that class of medication. Um, there are other antidepressants that work on other uh, receptors in the brain to offset uh, the depression and, and address them. Um, studies have been done for years now in many of the Ivy League schools, utilizing uh, an anesthetic that causes dissociative properties known as ketamine. Uh, mm. Ketamine I used to use when I was in training when we would do um, DNCs in women that had spontaneous abortions or miscarriages, and you needed to go in and, and perform a DNC to clean, clean out the, the cervix, then uterus. And so they would give them this medication and they would it was a relatively fast anesthetic, but at certain dosages, uh, it causes a dissociative state and works as an NMDA inhibitor. It's a specific channel in the brain, and it is, has been used for treatment-resistant depression as well as mm -hmm. suicidal ideations. 
And the protocol that's utilized is the Yale protocol, which comes from Yale University, where they treat these individuals uh, twice a week for three weeks. And they have found that 95% of people that undergo this treatment go into remission for their depression. Let's, let's move forward and talk a little bit about cannabis and plant medicine. Um, do, you, do you feel that use of cannabis might be um, a better choice for some people? And, and how does it work? <laughs> well, we have endocannabinoid receptors in our body. We have an endocannabinoid system. Uh, so before we speak on how cannabis works, we need to understand that we have receptors in our body just like the receptors that we mentioned briefly earlier. We talked about the serotonin receptors. We talked about serotonin. We talked about norepinephrine, norepinephrine receptors. We talked about NMDA. And so we also have cannabinoid receptors. These receptors are receptors where cannabis works on our, you know, in, within our body. Now understand that we produce cannabinoids in our body that work on these receptors not the same structures as THC, which is the most commonly known and understood phytocannabinoid, phyto meaning plant, cannabinoid meaning that it works on the cannabinoid receptors. So you have a phytocannabinoid, which is a, a cannabinoid that will, comes from the plant. You have, but then you also have the endocannabinoids and these are the cannabinoids that are formed in our body. The first one was discovered in 1992 called anandamide. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can tell that this science and the discovery of these receptors is relatively new. You know, I mean, 1992 was when I graduated from chiropractic school in Marietta, <laughs> Georgia. So it's not been that long ago. You know, and then five years later, due to the frustration limited scope of practice, I went to medical school and became a medical doctor. Uh, so the use of cannabis has been used for anxiety, for depression. Many of my colleagues are of the belief that, oh, if they use cannabis, it's going to make them more depressed because they think that cannabis is a downer. What they forget to understand is that phytocannabinoids have different reactions in our bodies. We also have a component called terpenes in the plants. Mm -hmm. These terpenes are give the plant, the, the smell and taste. Uh, so you have some uh, terpenes that have a smell of, like citrus, which mm -hmm. is called limonene. You have others that smell like pine called pinene. So there's mm -hmm. different types of terpenes and all together, the terpenes together with the phytocannabinoids, you get what our uh, professor Meshulam, Rafael Meshulam, who is the pioneer in this space, mm -hmm. talks about the entourage effect. An entourage effect is when you get all of these substances working together, kind of like an orchestra in our bodies working on these different receptors. And by working on these different receptors, it allows for different sensations to take place. And so for this mm -hmm. reason, cannabis can help with depression. And we've found that we can take people off of the traditional antidepressants and allow them to just use the cannabis, which has minimal to no side effects. And people are able to enjoy life much more so by utilizing the cannabis 
than by using these traditional conventional antidepressants. And it, it, they don't have that same, you know, the side effect of depression and suicidal ideation from the pharmaceutical drugs that you mentioned. We don't get that with cannabis. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes, ma'am. That right. is accurate. And so um, I know I've interviewed you before and had you explain how it actually works, why it works for depression. And I'd love for you to do that today as well. <laughs> sure. So we when we talked about the production of endocannabinoids. Endocannabinoids are, uh, are produced when we experience some type of stress. <clears throat> now, it doesn't have to be a negative or an adverse stress like anxiety, depression, uh, anger, pain, etc. It can be a good uh, stressor, such as exercise or an orgasm. Any type of stress will cause an action potential. That action potential, what that does is it causes, it's like an electrical charge that makes its way down a neuron or a nerve cell that's found. So let's imagine that these, my two fingers, one is a presynaptic neuron and this one is the postsynaptic neuron. Mm -hmm. And they're called that way because between the two is what's called a synaptic cleft. It's a connection. And so when the action potential starts at the presynaptic neuron, it works its way down, makes its way to the synaptic cleft. At that area, at the presynaptic neuron, there are channels and causes a stimulation and a release of sodium, potassium, calcium, crossing the synaptic cleft and at the postsynaptic neuron, it causes the releasing of the endocannabinoids. The two most mm. commonly known endocannabinoids are anandamide, which I mentioned earlier, and 2-AG. They're produced at the postsynaptic neuron and they move retrograde or in a backward direction to the presynaptic neuron where the CB1 receptors and CB2 receptors are located. And these endocannabinoids go back and work on these specific receptors. Now, between the pre and postsynaptic neurons, you have enzymes that are lurking around. Mm -hmm. One is called FAAH, fatty acid amide hydrolase, FAAH, also known as FA, and the other is MAGL. Each one of these attacks the two endocannabinoids. So FA attacks the uh, anandamide and MAGL attacks the 2-AG and cuts their lifespan. Now, phytocannabinoids, two specific phytocannabinoids act to deactivate the action of the FA and the MAGL. The phytocannabinoid that attacks the FA is CBD, and the phytocannabinoid that attacks the MAGL is THCV. And by going in and taking in these phytocannabinoids from the plant, CBD and THCV, it blocks these adverse reactions of these two enzymes 
and it allows for the full expression of the endocannabinoid system. Now, as we get older, or if we're under an inordinate amount of stress, now, you know, anandamide is called the bliss endocannabinoid because it comes from the Sanskrit word ananda, which means bliss. So Mm -hmm. it's the bliss endocannabinoid. That's how you're supposed to feel. So as we get older, we produce less endocannabinoids. So for this reason, we need cannabinoids from the outside or exogenous from outside Mm -hmm. in to work on these receptors. I love it. You know, the word anandamide is bliss. So how can it not help with depression, right? Um, It seems like it was just built for us and we're built for it, you know. I guess, you know, for people who are listening and watching, you know, as we said in the beginning, the depression is so prevalent. People are going to their doctors and talking about it. Most of them are not trained and, and know what you described, how the medicine works for depression. What can, what can they do? Um, you know, I, I even, I, I know even at the doctor's office, they're testing people now to figure out which antidepressant works with their body, which is a little better than the trial and error we had before. But True. it sounds like these drugs don't really do the full job where cannabis could for many people. I mean, you know, I've heard Professor Hanush, who was the gentleman that named the first endocannabinoid and wrote the foreword to my book, Hope and Healing the Case for Cannabis. But from stage, he has stated himself, you know, cannabis doesn't work for everybody. So, you know, I don't want the message to be muddied or muddled and, and people think that, oh, cannabis is a panacea and it works all the time. Right. It doesn't always work and it doesn't always work the same way on everybody. And so, as I mentioned earlier, it's an individualized medicine. And so we must treat it that way. And we must be conscious of, of that. So are there uh, lifestyle changes that people can add in? I know, um, you know, when people are depressed, you describe the symptoms in the beginning. It's hard to get going to make some changes that might help. But once they're on uh, whatever type of medicine they choose, you know, what kinds of things can they do? Are there diet changes or what, what would you recommend? Um, there's some plant medicines that are being studied and investigated, uh, such mm-hmm. as mushrooms. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there are certain states in the United States that have decriminalized and or legalized the use of uh, mushrooms for the treatment of depression. And there, there have been articles mm-hmm. in a lot of the mainstream uh journals out there, uh, Newsweek, Time, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I have used um, psilocybin myself, microdosed, and it's very interesting, um, you know, microdosing for a short time, it, it seems to last for a really long time, even when I would stop microdosing, you know, um, I think there's a lot of hope in that. Uh, what do you think? Well, it's plant, it, it's plant medicine. And so, we have those same receptors in our bodies that work. Um, there are some, you know, uh, mm-hmm. cannabis physicians that also push and promote the use of microdosing of cannabis, uh, two of which are Dr. Ethan Rousseau and Dr. Dustin Sulak, that mm-hmm. both have, you know, been uh, very verbal and in teaching and educating using 2.5 milligrams of cannabis two to three times a day mm-hmm. and, you know, progressively increase 
titrate to effect, but they want everyone to be on at least, you know, 2.5 milligrams two to three times a day because they feel that that's sufficient to stimulate the endocannabinoid system. Wow. So much progress. Um, it's, it's good to hear. And, you know, and, and that microdosing, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I don't want to get high, right? It's a side effect of the medicine, right? So by microdosing, you know, maybe they don't have to deal with that side effect so much if that's not what they're looking for. Well, the thing is that when you have clinical endocannabinoid deficiency, that's causing post-traumatic stress disorder or fibromyalgia symptoms or bipolar disorder or, you know, anxiety, depression, uh, et cetera, you need so much cannabis to maintain your levels at a therapeutic index. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the probability of you being high or stoned is minimal to none because it's medicine and you're taking enough medicine to offset the effects of whatever pathology you've got. Mm, very good point. Oh, this has been fantastic. Um, where can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more? Sure. They can go to my website, uh, www.josephrosadomd.com. That's josephrosadomd.com. If they want to send me an email, they can go to, uh, they send an email to info at josephrosadomd.com info at josephrosadomd.com. I am on Instagram, dr. period Joseph Rosado, dr. period Joseph Rosado. I'm on uh, LinkedIn, Joseph Rosado, MD, MBA, Joseph Rosado, MD, MBA. Uh, so those are the, the main places where you can find me. Excellent. And if you could mention your book one more time as well, that would be great. Sure. It's Hope and Healing, The Case for Cannabis. It's available on Amazon. Uh, the, on Kindle, it's $5. Paperback, it's $20. Hardcover is $30. It's also available at uh, Barnes & Noble as well as um, Roku. So there's different areas where you can purchase the book. Excellent and affordable for for anyone really. That's that's yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, five dollars for a Kindle book. Yeah, you can't beat it. <laughs> you can't beat it, and it's great information. Thanks so much for joining me. Always a pleasure speaking and meeting with you. Miss Teddy here with your food is medicine minute. We are talking about changing your lifestyle and helping with depression, and um, I am a big believer that changing the way you eat can help your state of mind and help you live a healthy, happy life. There are some foods that make you feel really, really good when you are indulging in them, but these foods can actually cause depression in the long run. And these are processed foods, artificial sweeteners, refined sugar, high-sodium foods, hydrogenated oils, alcohol, caffeine, dairy, GMOs and conventional food, and fast food. All these, like I said, these really make you feel good while you're indulging in them. They can cause depression in the long run. They cause inflammation and body aches and just all around make you feel bad in the long run. For more information on food as medicine, please feel free to contact me at Learn From Teddy on Facebook. Thank you.
Well, that was some great information about depression and about how cannabis works uh, for depression. And um, also, I, I just love Miss Teddy, and it's great that she offered information about foods to avoid uh, if yeah. you're trying to avoid depression. And I watch her all the time anyways with the foods that she cooks. I saw her mm-hmm. earlier this week doing some cool uh, you know, videos of showing some healthy mm-hmm. options for food. So it's always good with Teddy. And yes. obviously her funny TikTok videos. You can't you can't pass those up. <laughs> you guys have bonded over TikTok, I feel. <laughs> She's absolutely crazy awesome. It's so yes. fun to, uh, you know, I've never, I just started TikTok with this show. So uh-huh. um, having some guidance in what Teddy does with some funny things, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. She's ridiculous. It's <laughs> yes, just she hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been watching this week? Um, you know, I've been taking to task. You've asked me to like, hey, watch some stuff. So I've been watching things. Um, and I found a movie that I think slipped through the cracks, at least in, in my world. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a movie called Paul. P-A-U-L, Paul. Just um, Paul. Just Paul. <laughs> and it's it's about an alien uh-huh. that has, um, and apparently it's this alien that's been around forever. You know, the like generic alien that you see on, you know, sci-fi movies. Oh, or, yeah. Or the green stuff. man, well, like the green with the big eyes. The green man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is him, and apparently it's because they've been kind of the FBI. <clears throat> excuse me, the FBI has been um, trying to slowly wean us into, hey, this is an alien that we're going to see eventually someday. Oh, uh, this guy ends up getting uh, escaping and uh, actually hijacking an RV with these other people. I don't know if you've seen Shaun of the Dead. Have you seen that movie? Oh my gosh, a long time ago. Yeah, so the actors that are in Shaun of the Dead are the main characters in it as well. And the alien voice, it's like a cartoon or CGI, uh-huh. uh, is Seth Rogen. Oh, so, my gosh. Wow. And he's a stoner alien. Uh-huh. It was, I mean, crying, laughing um, <laughs> half the movie. Some of the quotes are absolutely just ridiculous. And I'm giving this one two buds way up. Um, wow, two buds. <laughs> way up. It was, uh, it was so amazing, to, uh, so funny, and uh, just a really good uplifting uh, movie uh-huh. so if you're into doing something this weekend maybe uh watching a cool movie that just slipped through the cracks paul yes Paul is it. all right i'm gonna have to check that out i may <laughs> so have good. to use my medicine beforehand i'm not sure <laughs> definitely and you can also go um you know smoke for smoke with the alien if you like he oh. lights up a lot during the movie so Oh, okay. So every time he lights up, yeah, I could light up. That would be yeah, really you, fun. Yeah, you might be able to go that way. <laughs> I love it. Well, coming up next, Dr. Brian Nickel will pair cannabis strain with our musical guest. I'm Dr. Brian Nickel, your cannabis expert for CannabisExpertMD.com with a music and cannabis pairing for the Wendy Love Ed Show. Wendy's musical guest this week is Cameron Johnson. He's from Bentonville, Arkansas. Cameron's got two EPs under his belt. Uh, They are appropriately named EP1 that was released in 2019. That was followed by EP2, of course. I listened to Is There a Difference from the EP1 set? Now, it's a very, very well-produced, simple song with a very uh, country vibe to it. It is really uh, Cameron with his uh, rich, uh, strong voice and acoustic guitar. He's backed up by a very talented electric guitar player and backup vocalist. It's a, a slow country genre song about the differences in perception and how the differences tend to divide us. For this, I was looking for a very relaxing strain to help you chill to Cameron's observations of the difficulties of being human. 
For this, I select it based on the cannabinoid terpene profile available to me, as I always do. Natural State Medicinal's Purple Sunset. Purple Sunset is potent at 24% total THC. A little bit of trace CBD is present. Looking at the terpenes, it is potent at 2.2%. Myrcene dominant at 1.04%. Uh, Beta-caryophyllin is up next at 0.33 with limonene at 0.18. Linalool at 0.16 and hemoline at 0.1%. Now, Purple Sunset, this should give you a pretty quick cerebral effect with the combination of the THC and myrcene speeding the euphoric effects. The beta-caryophyllin, that can help tame down a little bit of depression you may be having. The limelight well help with some anxiety and give just a little bit of a mood lift. Then the myrcene combines with the uh, linalool to provide a very, very chill, relaxing, and somewhat sedating effect. The little bit of hemulene in there might keep you out of the chip bag. Now, Purple Sunset, this should be just a strain to enjoy watching the sunset and listening to Cameron Johnson as the sun fades away, as do we all, and contemplate his question. For more information on all things medical cannabis, check us out at CannabisExpertMD.com. We're also available on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter under CannabisExpertMD. Now I present to you Cameron Johnson with Is There a Difference? Yeah. 
I'm Candace Dyer. And I'm Wendy Love Edge. And this is Mile High News. Well, Candace, what are we talking about today in Cannabis News? Man, the Super Bowl. I know everybody had to be on edge this weekend, whether you like the Super Bowl or not. Um, mm-hmm. The halftime show was amazing and you were wanting to watch that. So, man, it was a great, great, great game. Yeah, I know. I, I I am not much for sports or for for football, but I always want to tune in for the halftime show. And this year, especially since it was a hip hop show. Yes, yes. I was so excited to hear about the performers. Man, I love every one of them. Um, The Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals played and the Rams won 23 to 20 for the first time in 22 years. It's amazing. I know everyone was so excited and uh, what a great, what a great game. Everyone was, has still been talking about it, you know, and still talking about the halftime show for sure. So who performed in the halftime show? We have Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, and 50 Cent. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So let's talk a little bit about the commercials because there were uh, some cannabis commercials that kind of popped up and one played and one didn't. Uh, So let's talk about the one that played. Yes, the one that played was Willie Nelson. You know, everybody knows that uh, Willie is a big cannabis supporter Mm -hmm. and he did some innuendos, I guess you would say, Mm -hmm. in the commercial. It was a Skecher commercial and it was talking about the comfort of the shoes, but you could just tell the little hints on yes. cannabis legalization in there. And that one got to play. Yeah, you know, he was very clever. I think it got to play because of it being just innuendo and not, you know, right on the nose, even though right. we all know what he was talking about. Um, for yeah, sure, for sure. For sure. Um, and then we had the weed map um, one mm-hmm. and that was a little bit more not so subtle, which right. I guess is probably why that they weren't allowed to play. But 
They have broccoli, just wanting to be broccoli, um, not a sign of weed. Like when you're talking on uh, Facebook or Instagram, we got to be so subtle with how we say cannabis. So mm -hmm. people use a green heart emoji or a Christmas tree for, well, some people use broccoli. So Right, right. I know it took me a minute. I actually had to ask you about it. Because um, I have never used broccoli to represent cannabis, but once you said it, I I, I was like, oh right, <laughs> right, right, you know. Yeah, but that I ad, you know, watching that ad, I was kind of like, they talked about hotboxing the copy room and the and the universal <laughs> sign, right? So I can see why they chose not to to roll that one. But why is it that that we can't advertise for cannabis? It's legal in so many states. Yes, uh, it's the federal. I think we, we, we realized that it's the federal legalization. And once that happens, then more things are going to be able to go out in the open. Mm -hmm. But um, the NFL is being a lot more pro cannabis than they used to be. Mm -hmm. They're not so much drug testing for cannabis anymore, which is a great, great point. For sure. You're right. And I, I saw that um, they have the they high they made the levels higher that that people can have on their drug test uh, for cannabis for THC, um, and they it also said that they're not suspending players anymore even if right. they're at the higher right. limit. Um, Just being a little bit more lenient about yeah. it, but right, right, it's still an illicit drug in the eyes of the federal government. So that I think yes. that's the issue. Yes. Unfortunately. Um, but, you know, what I didn't think was news that has made news everywhere <laughs> was Snoop Dogg, you know, using cannabis prior to his performance. What are your I thoughts know, right? about that? Yeah. Imagine that Snoop Dogg smoking weed. Uh, <laughs> exactly. It was, it was hilarious, man. And mm -hmm. the thing is, is that he actually had it in his hand the whole performance. You pointed that out to me. I did not notice that, but it that's hilarious. Um, but, you yes. know. It's legal in California. You know, he's just exactly. using a, a legal substance in his yeah. home state. And I don't know why that's news. <laughs> I think it's awesome, though, just for the fact that it's bringing attention, like, uh, to other people, you know, that don't normally talk about cannabis every day, like us cannabis activists do. Right. Um, so it's reaching more people that way. You know that's what I mean? True. Being mm -hmm. something talked about. So but yeah, it's yeah. not news. Like everybody knows Snoop. Most. But thank you, Snoop, because you're right. It, it helps to normalize it, you know? I mean, right. we talk about cannabis all the time, uh, and but that that's not representative of, you know, everyone in, in the country. Right. Uh, so I think it does. I think you're right. It does help to normalize it. For sure. And then just the fact that Eminem had 14 years clean, Mary J. Blige had uh, 11 years clean, Mm -hmm. both repping uh, sobriety between the two of them, 25 years of recovery time. That's mm -hmm. amazing. I love that too. Yes, I, I do too. That's fantastic. So just so many great things about the halftime show. I think if people haven't seen it, you can catch it on YouTube. You can find it on social media. Definitely check it out. For sure, for sure. And big, big shout out to Mary and Eminem for their time of sobriety and showing people that you can be an addict and still get up there on stage later and come back mm -hmm. just as good as before and yes. sober and it, and it can happen and it does work. And yes, great point. This has been Mile High News with Candace Dyer and Wendy Lovett. Stay lit, everyone. Mm -hmm.
Well, it's been a really great show. Do you have any final thoughts, Brandon? Well, I want everyone to know, uh, just like we started with this, that you're not alone when it comes to depression. Everyone has highs and lows in life, and uh, we got to deal with them. And that's that's what you got to do. You got to face it. And so when you're feeling really low, you got to think about those things that make you happiest. And so I encourage you to go out and do those things. Um, make that routine. Part of your routine is to feel better, to make yourself feel better. So eating right or just doing things that make you feel good is a big part of uh, getting out of a depression and surround yourself with people that you love and that love you and that care about you. And I promise that uh, things will always get brighter. For sure. Um, you know, depression is a serious illness. And um, if you are having suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. The number is 800-273-8255. And and I agree with everything you said, Brandon. Um, You know, we're we're all in this together. We're here to be happy, uh, I believe. Yes. The other side of that is that this is a very real illness. And when it does uh, crop up and you're having the symptoms, you know, you're not interested in the things that you used to really love or having trouble sleeping and all of those things. It's really important to, um, you know, look at some of the things we mentioned at the beginning of the show or or possibly, you know, adding some medication. Uh, We're not doctors, uh, but I think we provided some really good information and Dr. Rosado definitely did as well. For sure. Reach out and uh, know that people do care about you. Uh, Even in those darkest moments, know that they do care about you and we want you around, you know, once it it gets to that certain point, you know, it's, um, there's another day, you know, so Mm -hmm. know that it keeps going. We want you around and that there are people and and doctors and other people that want you to be healthy and happy. So definitely take those steps to do so. Absolutely. I hope everyone has a great week. Bye. The Wendy LaVette Show is sponsored in part by Caris Healthcare, The Relevant App, Lit Premium Smoking Supplies, 131 Inclusion Gallery, Irie Bliss Wellness, The Bomb Cannabis Body Care, Lindsay Camp and Synergy One Lending.